Welcome to the It's Not That Deep podcast, brother. What's up? Diego Luca, super yacht broker, artist, DJ, and recently a TikTok influencer too. Welcome to the show, brother. Thank you, man. Thank you for, for having me. Thank you for having me. I mean, we're in your apartment right now. Beautiful, eclectic, crazy, and I felt like I was dressed in too much black. <laughs> <laughs> well, we added some color in that one. Absolutely. I love it, man. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the show, man. You are one of the most interesting people I know, and there's a million places we could start this podcast. We could focus on the yachts, the artistry and everything, but I want to start with your origin story, bro. Where did it all start for Mr. Diego Luca? Wow. Well, everything started in... So that's why I'm Diego from San Diego, right? So everything started in San Diego. Uh, and really, I mean, never in a million years that I think I was going to be in yachting, right? Uh, everything started by, uh, by me starting a car wash business. So I went to, uh, I went to the auction. Um, so a friend of mine, a friend of mine had this idea about, you know, starting a car wash. And so him and I started washing cars at his house. And then everyone would basically come by and drop off their cars and, you know, and then, um, there was a time where, you know, he decided not to do it anymore. And, you know, so I, you know, I just, I thought it was a good idea. And I, you know, I went to the auction, bought a, bought a, uh, a minivan, like, you know, and put all my equipment in there. And, uh, pretty much before that, what I was doing as I was a driver for an auto glass company. Okay. And then at night I was a busser at Applebee's. So, I mean, a lot of people might not know what Applebee's is, or maybe they do. But, uh, yeah, I was, uh, so from nine, from nine to like four 30, I was a delivery driver for, for auto glass. And, uh, and then four 30, I used to get out. And then, you know, I used to, I used to go in at six o'clock at Applebee's and I would work from six to like 1130. And just busting tables. Uh, and I would do that every day, pretty much. And uh, that's kind of, you know, how it all started. And I had, um, I had something that, that uh, you know, changed, that really changed the course of my life. And, uh, and it was uh, a girlfriend that I was dating. Uh, she, had, she had a freak accident. She was going to, she was going to, Long Beach State, and uh, she was kind of like my high school sweetheart. And uh, <clears throat> when I graduated, uh, we were still dating. And uh, when there was a time where she was driving down from uh, Long Beach, uh, so we can go out to Mexico and, and uh, go out. How long is that drive? That drive is about an hour and a half, like okay. uh, maybe about uh, two hours, uh, an hour and a half, two hours. And when she was driving down, um, you know, I, I got a call that, that, uh, you know, from one of her friends that she had a, an accident. And of course, when, when you get that call, you think it's just a regular car, uh, uh, um, regular accident, you know, maybe car to car crash. 
But, uh, you know, when I got there, you know, unfortunately, you know, she, she passed away on scene. Yeah. And, uh, so when that happened, uh, pretty much, uh, changed everything I was doing. I was going to a community college at the time in San Diego. And, uh, what were you studying? um, I was just going for, uh, <laughs> I was going for just a general and also, uh, for, for business and, okay. uh, I was also taking, you know, singing classes just for fun. Um, and so when that, when, when that happened, I, uh, I pretty much just stopped everything. I mean, I was dating her for about three years and, you know, like anyone that believes in, uh, and, you know, those, uh, stories about, you know, me cute and, you know, being with someone that, that you see yourself for the rest of your life. That was kind of my mentality then. You know, I thought I found someone that, that I was going to spend the rest of my life with. It's a major perspective shift, man. Yeah. At what age? How old were you? I was uh, 20 years old. 20 years yeah. old. 20 years old. She was, was, shape things, she was 18. She was 18, yeah. So, uh, <clears throat> yeah. So, so that, when that happened, I mean, really changed, uh, changed everything for me. I, uh, <clears throat> I quit. I quit, uh, my job, uh, both jobs I quit and then I quit going to school. So I wasn't sure what I was going to do. And, uh, and pretty much, uh, one of, so there were five people in the car and the only person that passed away was her. Um, so when that happened, you know, I was kind of like shut down. I wasn't really doing anything. And, uh, one of the girls that was in the car, you know, she reached out to me and invited me with her family to, to, uh, spend some time and kind of just get back to, to life. And, uh, <clears throat> so when I did that, her, her, her father, uh, had a car wash business and he had a mobile car wash, right? So, so then I just started going out and washing cars with him. And then that's when everything kind of, you know, happened. I was like, well, you know, maybe I should, maybe I should, uh, open a car wash. So then that's when I went back, drove back to San Diego, bought a van, put everything in there and, uh, and pretty much started going door to door, you know, uh, Hey, you know, for a regular cars, $15 for a uh, medium car is 25 for an SUV, huge truck is 35. <clears throat> Man, I remember, I remember, <laughs> I remember, the first time, I mean, cause I mean, when you're starting, right, you just want to, you just want to, you know, get some business. So I go to this office and this, she totally took advantage, man. I mean, it was like, she, I was like, Hey, Fred, I remember, do I remember this car? Like it was yesterday. It was a four Mustang and she, she was like, Oh yeah. You know, I was like, and it was dude, $15. I charged her $15. I swear this car. It was probably, it looked like she went to the Baja 1000. <laughs> it was, it was so bad. It was so bad. It looked like she'd been through the drive-thru of McDonald's probably a hundred times. And it was like my first car that I watched. And I was like, what, what am I doing? <laughs> I was like, do I really want to do this? I was like, it might do $15, but I, dude, I went for it. And it took me probably about three hours and a half, like to just, throw everything out but guess what i did it and and uh and she said hey can you come back every week 
And then all of a sudden I had a client. Boom, you had a consistent client. So then I had client. a consistent client. That's so like, funny. so that, you know, that worked out. And, and slowly, you know, I started meeting, you know, people uh, that saw that, that I was a hard worker. <clears throat> and, and slowly the people that I was washing cars for, they, they were, you know, they were talking to me like, hey, you know, what are you doing? Because they, I mean, I was 20 years old. So one of the guys um, that kind of, you know, I've, I think what you do growing up, especially when you don't have somebody that does kind of like, you know, I didn't grow up with my mom or dad, you know, so I didn't really have a mentorship. Mm -hmm. So I feel like sometimes if you're smart, then you try to find that mentorship from other people. Yeah, it's almost like you, you choose your new family yeah. that's, that's going to shape you and what you want to do. Yeah. Yeah, I like that a lot. And, and so, so what I did, you know, pretty much I try to find people that I could learn from. And, and, and really, whenever I found someone that I felt like could add value to, to what I was doing, I would let them know that, hey, you know, what are your thoughts? What should I do? You know, I would, you know, I just kind of, and uh, so he said like, you know what, Diego, what you should do is don't do anything per week. Have everyone per month. Monthly. You know, like that's monthly. The first, that's yeah. the first, first thing. thing. Yeah, yeah. That, it's like, so, if you're making 60 bucks yeah, a month, yeah, put yeah, this yeah. girl on so a then, week. So then I started, so then I started, everyone, I was like, hey, you know, I'm going to be here every Monday. I'm going to be here every Tuesday. I'm going to be here Wednesday, Thursday. Dude, I would just literally, when I was, when I was working at, as a driver and working at Applebee's, I mean, as a driver, I think at the time I was making $7 and 25 cents an hour. And, you know, I was working eight hours, eight hours, nine hours. And I was like, shit, if I wash a car every 30 minutes, that's double that I pretty much more than double that I would get paid. Yeah. So my goal was to wash at least two cars an hour. That was like what I was pushing for. And then I started learning like you can sell, you know, uh, you can sell to like detailing. So then, yeah, so that was like, shit, I can make a hundred dollars an hour, 200. So like as a detail, and I was like, holy shit. Yeah, okay. And so, so that's kind of, you know, that's kind of how, how, how it started. And, and then, what I used to do is I used to go to uh, used to go to hair salons, and while people were getting their hair done, I would wash their cars. So this took me to a guy that was getting a haircut, and he's like, "Hey, you know, I'm going to this charity event, and of course, I would pick like the high end places, right?" So, and but this was my first client that that actually uh, had an exotic car. And I had no idea. He's like, hey, you know, so here are the keys. And I grabbed it. It was a Lam brand new Lamborghini. And I remember I, I came out and I was like, holy shit. I was like, are you freaking out? I was like, I had never even seen one close. You know, I've never even been on one. And so imagine a 20 year old, you know, getting, a, you know, getting on a brand new Lamborghini. I remember I, I went to my van and I even grabbed all the new stuff, like yeah, the new yeah. soap. I'm not, not going to use know, it. I'm not, yeah, use yeah, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I grabbed all the new stuff and yeah, I was just like, yeah. you know, and I was just like, you know, what 20, like maybe a 20 year old kid does is, wow, you know, like, what, what do you think about? You think about 
driving it or maybe taking a girl out, you know, or something like that. So, I mean, I just watched the car and, you know, two weeks later, the guy called me and said, hey, you know, uh, you did a great job. Do you mind coming back? And, you know, I have a collection of cars. So I go to his house and uh, he's like, you know, these are, you know, come, come every Thursday, you know, just take care of all these cars. And then I learned that I learned that he had a membership club. So then he he charged a membership fee per year and and you can drive this different exotic car so he would let other people drive these cars for a fee and he had like a fleet of them kind of like Turo before Turo. yeah All yeah right. so like it was kind of like a timeshare for luxury cars got it got so, it so so if somebody came into san diego for business or or maybe it was someone that didn't have all the cars but they wanted to they like, wanted to flex yeah, like, yeah, yeah yeah exactly 100 percent. so so then and i was like okay so then i learned about the memberships and i said wow one day i want to work for this guy you know so i just kept working you know and i and uh at this point did you drop the other cars Cause you're like, you know what? I'm gonna focus on this luxury guy. Or were you still hustling? No, no, no. I was still, I was still, I was still doing the other one. Okay, yeah. okay. I was still like, cause I had my days, right? So Monday I was here, Tuesday here, Wednesday. Dude, I pretty much, I would put my headphones on and I, dude, I would just go. I would just, yeah. dude, I would get two, you know. And you were a one man army. You never had like any of your boys or anyone come out help you out. It was. It, <laughs> it's funny you say that. So. <laughs> So we're in San Diego, right? San Diego is is not like Florida. I mean, San Diego gets pretty cold at times. Okay. And man, in the mornings, you go out and watch cars, your hands would be yeah. like just, you know, you couldn't feel your hands. That's funny. So I asked my, I have a, uh, my brother, his name's, uh, his name's Ernie. And so when he was then going to school, I said, hey, uh, Ernie, dude, come and help me out. I'm getting like, <laughs> and then he went. One, dude, one day, dude, in the morning, he couldn't feel his hands. And then he's like, hey, bro, I can't do <laughs> <Fuck> this shit. <laughs> and then every time, every time he will go out, he's like, and then uh, he's like, no, man. He's like, let's take, let's take some warm water so we can put it in the bucket before. So like, you know, we started doing that. But, uh, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, that was the only, the only time that, that I had someone, you know, help me. And then as time went by, then I, uh, you know, always the goal was like, how can I get into working for this guy? And the chance came up when a girl quit and uh, they needed help taking cars to to a golf tournament. And I remember he called me, he's like, hey, do you know how to drive stick? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, okay, well, I'm going to teach you how to drive the Lambo because tomorrow we got to go to this golf tournament and we got to take all these cars. And I'm like, holy shit. And... I remember this was your big break. This man. was a big break. And it was, uh, I remember I went to bed and I couldn't even sleep. It was like the first, like when you're a kid and they're going to take you to Disneyland for the first time and you just can't, you're so excited. So in the morning, I, you know, I, I call him, I, like, I asked him what I had to wear. He's like, oh, just wear black pants, black shoes. And I have a shirt for you. Well, I got so excited. I took my, my black shoes and I put it on top of the car. And I drove off. Oh shit! Yeah. So I'm like, <laughs> I drove off. So like, when I get there, I couldn't find my shoes. I was like, "Fuck, dude, this is the first time." So like, he's like, "Don't worry," you know. So he gave me some some um, <laughs> some shoes. 
<clears throat> so then we get ready and it's like early. And I mean, I don't know if you ever, I don't know if you ever been in a convoy of like exotics or any type of any type, even if you're just driving with your friends and you're just kind of like playing around. It's but, easy to lose people. It's yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But imagine, imagine being a 20 year old and you have never stepped foot on a Lambo ever. Uh -oh. and you're going to want to punch it. Yeah. And, and, and then all of a sudden you're at li we were, uh, we were about 10, 10 exotic cars in the freeway, just going like, I mean, and not only that, I remember turning on the radio and on the radio, it was Gypsy Kings. Like, and I, I mean, I play guitar. I love the Gypsy Kings. So when I turned on the radio and it was the Gypsy Kings, plus I'm driving a Lambo, I was just yelling. You're like, high on life. Yeah, I, was like, <laughs> I was just going crazy. Man. Like, you know, like Lambos were passing me and I was like, this is unreal. I said, this is, there's no way. Yeah. You know, so. That's kind of how it all started. Yeah. And I get to I get to the golf tournament. Of course, the whole purpose of the golf tournament was for you to sell memberships. So my job still at the time was to only keep the cars clean. So what I did is, you know, uh, each hole had a car and they would talk about the, the membership program. Well, there was a guy that was asking about the membership. And no one was there representing the company. So then I jumped in and they're like, hey, what is this thing all about? And I said, hey, well, there's three types of memberships. There's this, this, and this. And with this membership, you get this, with this, this, and this. So that's when you learned that you're good at sales. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I think I knew, I knew I was, I was, I was good with people. Uh, and also I never had a, I never had an agenda behind doing something whenever right. whenever i did something was because i i believed in it and also it was because i i wanted to be part of it so like i never i never did something uh to just take advantage of other people i always had the best interest to actually help people to help yeah and like connect the dots connect the dots yeah and and not just like you know because to me I saw the opportunity to do something bigger. And so I just wanted to be, you know, part of it. Um, so when that happened, the guy asked me for, you know, the, all the information. So I called the guy and I said, Hey, this guy's interested in this membership. And he said, who's there? Uh, and I said, no one. I said, I was the one that told him. So come back. And I sold the, the top membership. Nice. Nice. And, That's uh, big. and so he's, he's like, so at the end, he's like, uh, we'll talk after the golf tournament's over. He's like, you got to come work for me. And then I was Fuck, like, man. <laughs> it's like you manifested that yeah. shit, bro. You literally yeah. put that out in the universe. Yeah. You work your ass off and you made it happen, bro. Yeah. I love stories like that because my upbringing with immigrant parents and whatever, like I learned the value of hard work at a young age and like, my version of that story was delivering newspapers in the Canadian winter. I delivered <laughs> the flyers to people. Yeah. I had like 200 houses. And I remember I was like, some of these houses are fucking nice houses. Yeah. And I, I want to like meet the people who own it. Yeah. And like, you know, not to make this like, you know, but like I remember doing that and working so hard and being able to 
be so consistent, so on time. Yeah. Get these people yeah, to yeah. paper for like fucking 20 bucks. Yeah, yeah. I made no money. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I was slave labor. Yeah, yeah. I actually look at it now. <laughs> but I, I, I met some people and like I remember that they would always tell me like, this is how you get a job yeah. and the, this is how you run a business and this and that. And like, I love hearing that type of story because you literally went through this fucking shitty event. Yeah. Really like most people would just take that and just shut down and be right. like, call it quits. You know, I lost my love. Yeah, 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 yeah. You took that reset. Yeah. Found this car washing thing. And you're like, you know what? Some of these people got money. And yeah. like, you learn sales, you learn hard work, discipline. Yeah. Waking up early, cleaning people's cars. Yeah. I love that story a lot, man. Thank you. And, and I feel like uh, there's, you know, especially now, I mean, as I don't think there's a lot of people that take the time to really understand, uh, you know, where someone comes from or, you know, what is it that they, they do. And it's interesting because a lot of people in my industry and in yachting, um, they probably, you know, they they grew up maybe the family had a boat or they grew up at a you know at a place that gave them access to yachts and, and they kind of just grew up you know learning or, or seeing that lifestyle but not until i was maybe 24 years old did i see my first boat you know so like i had no idea about even yachting you know and and uh so so it was it was pretty uh it was pretty crazy to get into into the industry you know of course it started with well that's us. what i want to ask you next bro is you know obviously there's probably a lot of filling in the blanks between this and and, and getting there but how'd you get into the yachting world bro that's the question well, everyone wants to know how do you yeah, get into this space well, it's uh so so i'm you know, so now we're in the part where I sell a membership and I start working. I start working uh, for for this company. And at the time, this company only did cars. You know, I was all excited cars. And as the membership grew, so, you know, one step back. Uh, so I just started working for this company. My business card was just my name. Then three months later, the the owner made me the VP of operations for for the company. So now I had just turned 21 and I just moved into his spare home where he kept all these cars. And my job as a 21 year old was to drive these cars every day and take them to the hottest nightclubs every weekend. So, I mean, it was like a one the, the fucking like line. Yeah. It's like it was like holy shit. I mean, I, I had just turned twenty one, but of course, I was I was very. Uh, um, I wouldn't say I was mature because still, like you know, whenever people weren't looking, I was I was still that twenty one year old. Mm -hmm. But when people were looking, I had to act like I was thirty. Right. And like you knew what you were talking yeah, about, like you've been in the game. I, like, and, yeah. and, 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 and that's something that I learned fast that, you know, the guy I was working for, he's like, Diego, he's like, you don't have the experience, but whenever you're dealing with these type of clients, you need to act like you, you've Fake been there, you make it. you've been there, you've done it. And otherwise you're not going to respect you. 
And they're going to be like, why is this guy delivering me exotic cars? Or why is this guy even the VP of operations? So, so I've, I learned fast and, and I just kind of put in the hard work and I was always, you know, kind of, you know, on top of it, you know, I was dealing with these clients and that's where I got all the experience of, of dealing with high end clients and, and knowing what they want, what they don't want and what can go wrong, you know, what goes right. So that I learned at a, a very, I mean, an early stages of, 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 uh, you know, my career in the luxury industry. So when, so to tell you how I got into yachting. So I started the cars and then those members also had jets. So then I remember I got on my first jet, which is that alone can probably be another hour, right? <laughs> so like, I mean, it's like, I remember going on my first uh, private plane. I was like, holy shit, right? And then, then I went on my first helicopter ride. I was like, holy shit. So like all of a sudden you start adding all these little things. And then because I was VP of operations, I was also doing events. So I guess what does a 22 year old want to do? I mean, they want to go party. party. <laughs> so guess what? I started finding the best parties in Southern California. And where does a 22 year old want to go? To the Playboy Mansion. So guess what? I reach out to some of the top people that were doing events at the Playboy Mansion. And I said, hey, I'm the VP of operations of this membership club, uh, can we do a partnership so we can go to the Playboy Mansion? Duh. So we, I mean, we did this partnership where I'm like, and I told the owner, I said, look, we provide cars, you know, some hours on helicopters, some hours on jets, and we take all of our members to the, to the Playboy Mansion. Are you in? Yeah. It's like, yeah. So thanks to you know, guess what? We're doing three events a year at the Playboy Mansion. Fuck it. I mean, are you kidding me? You know, it's like, what? Uh, so, and then, I mean, so, and then I started, I wanted to go to the Grammys. So then I won, you know, I put together something so we can go to the Grammys. I, uh, Oscar, so like everything I wanted to do, I would basically put it together for the members. So not only were you doing like, you know, the managing this, like, whatever, CEO of like this, um, like timeshare of uh, timeshare membership, of luxury yeah, yeah. cars. Yeah. Then it got into helicopters and planes, but then it got into like, well, why not explore this other vertical of experiences, experiences. and events? It, yeah. Okay, so that makes a lot of sense because like the same type of people who are getting one thing are are gonna want everything, everything. and they'd rather deal with one person, with one person than dealing with seven different. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Yeah, I got you. I got you. So then, <clears throat> so then I. So then now I'm the VP of operations of, of this membership club. Also, I'm putting together events for my clients, putting together experiences. And now I'm learning, you know, about the trade because some members, they would say, hey, Diego, can you tell him that I'll give him a few hours on my helicopter if he gives me a few hours on his yacht? I'll give him a few hours on the jet if he gives me a few hours. on." So then... Now I was the middleman. You're like brokering, so brokering these, all these guys. That's like a weird barter exchange. Yeah, yeah. A, <laughs> so then I was, you know, I was learning to not only to barter uh, luxury toys, but also to learn about the different types of personalities and clients the, and the have. values of yeah. each thing, right? Yeah. Like that's yeah. that's very interesting. So so then 
So then I've worked for this company for about five, six years. And I mean, imagine, imagine now that you know a little bit of the, you know, behind, you know, the story. So imagine I go from uh, delivering auto glass to Applebee's being a buzzer to going through that, you know, through that, um, that come up. Yeah. And also, I mean, and, and dealing with, with, with what happened to, to my, to my girlfriend. Yeah. And so now I went from that to now starting a business, washing cars. And now from that, I go to literally what somebody that would become a multi multi-millionaire. I had the lifestyle of somebody had pretty much had just won the lottery pretty much because I had access to 11 exotic cars, jets, yachts, helicopters. And of course, what comes with that? Beautiful woman. And I was 22 years old. So it was like a dream. And it was nuts. It was nuts. So, so when that, you know, and when that happened, of course, I thought that was going to last forever, but we learned that nothing lasts forever. Right. And so in 2008, 2009, when the market crashed, people stopped paying their dues, people stopped paying their membership. And we were in a position where the owner of this company was not able to, to keep all these, uh, assets or all these luxury uh toys and uh yeah because that shit's expensive and it only works if everyone's you know actually, actually buying, and, buying and continuing to spend yeah that's and the first thing that you cut out of your budget exactly is the toys yeah. and the fun and the like stupid first, luxury first spending. thing and yeah. it was like so then all of a sudden i started seeing a big shift of like well you know i started seeing how he was stressing about money and you know how you know this was not gonna go well and so but so for the last five six years i hadn't um for the last five six years i hadn't spent any money right because because i was working with him and i was living at his house and so then when he got into trouble what i did is i was so thankful that for the last five six years he had given me access to a lifestyle that I could have probably could have never experienced ever. So I think in the five, six years, I think I probably lived at least two to three lifetimes because the stuff that we got to do and the experiences was just out of this world. So what I did is I said, look, I, I have the, all this money saved up. I haven't spent any money and you know, I have credit, right? So, so I said, look, why don't we become partners? And, you know, I'll put in my credit, I'll put money. Well, that was the stupidest idea. Uh, I lost everything probably in about two, three months, right? So, so then this is where the story gets more interesting is, so now I, I come from car wash to now working for this company for five, six years and living you know, a fairy tale of a uh, lifestyle. And now I'm left with maybe about $200 in my pocket. Holy shit. So rock bottom, rock bottom. And, and I remember I was talking to the owner of the company and, and, uh, 
pretty much is like, hey, so what do you want to do? And I'm like, well, one, I don't have any more credit. I don't have anything. Really, I had no credit cards. I had nothing. And uh, <clears throat> so, and he was going through a very, very tough time, you know. Uh, and so I said, what do I do? You know, do I go back to washing cars? Do I, um, do I uh, become a promoter for a nightclub? Do I, uh, you know, I didn't know what to do. So literally it's the last day of I'm at the office and, you know, he has his body, like pretty much just, you know, the office is empty and a phone call comes in and it's somebody that wants to rent a car. And he's like, hey, you know, I want to rent a car for a week. And I said, oh, we don't rent cars. You know, we, <clears throat> we sell a membership. So, so then when, when, but then there, the light, you know, the light turned on. I'm like, well, I know people that own cars, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So I already have all these contacts. Why don't I rent her the car and make a commission out of it? So, so then I remember she had no insurance, no credit card. But I had nothing to lose. I had $200 in my pocket and I literally had nothing to yeah, lose. Let me just broker this fucking deal yeah, and, and just make it happen yeah, at and, all costs. And it, you know, you know, you know, something, you know, that I've, I never shared at this time, I, the, I had nowhere to live. So during this time, it was when, when the whole, um, a real estate bubble, yeah. you know, just collapsed. So then there was all these houses in for, uh, foreclosure. So then I was living at this empty house that basically was foreclosed and it just had a bed and it had like a, like, a, and I had a suitcase and pretty much I was just sleeping there until that, that house was sold at auction. Oh my and then God. I would, I would be like, you know, I would be like staying at these houses that were for, foreclosure. And basically, when the bank sold them, I would go to another house that was foreclosed. Damn. And that's basically what I was doing. I did not know that. So <laughs> that was, is, yeah, it was crazy. Wow. So, what, a, what a fucking roller coaster that is, man. Like, not only like experiencing the high life, seeing with luxury, yeah. the girls, yeah. the boats, everything, but then having then, to sleep on a mattress in a foreclosed. It was, uh, it was not, it was not, uh, it was not something that, that I thought like I would be doing, especially after At the experience this point, I had. Were you like, fuck, I guess I just got to get like a job. Like I, were you applying for I jobs? Think, were you no, like- I, So, so when, when this happened, I was, I was, I mean, I was living rent free. Right. And the guy that- That's one way to put it. Yeah. I was, <laughs> yeah. I was living rent free because I didn't have to pay any rent because these, these houses were foreclosed. And, uh, and I mean, this guy still kind of would help me a little bit with food and things like that. But of course he kept pushing like, Hey, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Cause in a way he felt responsible, you know, because he used my credit. He used all the, but like he didn't. So have there wasn't like, uh, not to pry, I don't like need yeah. to know details, but like this partnership that like, I guess didn't work out or whatever. Like, you know, at the end of the day, it wasn't bad blood. It was just bad. It business? wasn't. It wasn't any bad blood because I. I do not. I do not regret anything, and I. And and I've learned to to not hold any grudges. And I, you know, if something goes wrong, I pretty much just take the best out of it, and I and I move on. Um, and you know, 
can I hold a grudge against them for giving me the best, you know, six years, seven years yeah. of my life? You know, something that I could have never probably experienced as a in my twenties. Yeah. Like holy, sh I mean, yeah. you know, is it was it was crazy. Yeah. And and so I, um, if you watch the podcast, then no, I don't have anything against them. If he still wants to pay me back my money, cool. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, it was probably maybe about uh, sixty. You know, uh, still me about sixty thousand. So if yeah. you're watching, you know, you can wire me the money. We'll talk. <laughs> Y'all can have dinner, work it out. You heard it yeah, here yeah, first. Yeah. You have a fucking crazy story, man. This is just so wild to me hearing that crazy journey of experiencing the luxury, experiencing everything, um, this whole thing with your partner, whatever, everything that happened there, and then being in like foreclosed homes. What's the gap then? How do you fucking pick the pieces back up and then move into where you are now, man? Well, I think, I think it has to do with just, uh, I mean, if there's one thing that I feel that, that, that changed things was that I was never, even though I was in bad situations, I was never the type of person that, that showed how bad I was. And, and I feel like that, I mean, and this is, this, this, I did this without even knowing that this is the way you're supposed to do it. Because there's a lot of people out there that, that need help. I mean, we're, we're human and, and a lot of people grow up with, with not a lot of, uh, opportunities and not a lot of access to things or, or maybe not the lifestyle that they wanted. And, and I think a good lesson to take from what I did is that. Whenever I was in a bad situation, I was in a very bad spot. I was never someone that, that was asking, Hey, wow, I need help. Right. You're never a victim. I, yeah. I was never the victim. More like I needed help. A lot of help. I was in a very, very bad situation. Um, but instead of me crying poor and crying like, Hey, I need help. Please, you know. I was more like, how can I add value? How can I add value to this? How can I add value to this person? So then it doesn't look like I'm, I'm just asking I'm them, asking them yeah. but more like they like want to give. They want to give me because I'm adding value. I'm I'm adding something to whatever it is that they're doing. So then that's kind of how I did it, right? So like I had a, a person that I was worried was like, hey, I was like, hey, if you ever need a driver. You know, uh, I can drive for you. Like, if you want to go out to the clubs, I'll drive. I'll be your driver. So then I'll be driving. Um, if you need this, if you need this. So then that's kind of how I started. You know, I could have been, I could have gone back to washing cars. I could have, uh, I could have went, uh, you know, been a promoter in an iClub or things like that. But what I decided to do is take everything I learned from the last five, six years from exotic cars and jets and yachts and helicopters and add that to, to my, uh, what I, what I was doing. So that now anybody that would ask me and say, Hey, Diego, do you know who I can charter a yacht from? Yes. Do you know who I can charter a jet from? Yes. Helicopter. 
So then all of a sudden, I became that. I used to uh, uh, tell people that I was like uh, their GT, which is their go-to, mm-hmm. right? I love it. I'm like, I'm your go-to. Whatever you need, it. I'm your GT. Like, I'm your go-to person. We all need those yeah. people, especially you, people yeah. who don't live in your city or exactly. are not as connected. Yeah. They all need a guy who's just going to yeah. be, yo, yeah. yo, Diego, bro, <laughs> yeah, do you, do you yeah. know someone who could get me in here? Mm-hmm. Do you know someone who could get me this, yeah. get me exactly. that? Exactly. And there's a there's a huge there's a huge need for that and there's a huge market because there's a lot of people there's a lot of people out there especially now that that are you know that are new money you know there's there's a lot of new money out there there's people that are selling you know stuff on the internet or or apps or you know things that that uh you know these people probably never experience or or know how to charter a yacht buy a jet or buy a yacht or even buy a car or even buy a house for that matter so then all these people need someone that they can trust so and it kind of sucks because there's a lot of people out there that that take advantage right. of, of people like this that yeah because it's just a transactional thing for yeah them. It, and they don't see it as a as a long as like a, long, a relationship yeah they just kind of see it like you know, sometimes I get these calls from guys and there's like, hey, man, this guy just sold his company and he has a bunch of money. He's like, can, you know, can you do this, this and this? And, and can we mark it up? And I'm like, and I'm like, no, no. I'd rather, I'd I, rather you know, not just, do that. But yeah. work with the guy for 10 years because yeah. he recognized exactly. that I took care of him. Yeah. And, and it's just like whenever I see someone that just is uh, is an opportunist mm-hmm. that that is trying to kind of take advantage of a client. I, I mean, I'm not going to change his mind, right? It's his client, but, but also I wouldn't put my name on something like that because if that guy somehow sees that I was involved in this transaction and this guy You're tries to, now. now I'm burned. Cause he's like, Oh, okay. Okay. I got it from Diego Luca or there's no way. So, and then he tells his friends. Yeah. And then, and then it's just a whole, and then all of a sudden, that guy that was trying to do the was trying to mark things up or was trying to take advantage of that client now if he wanted to he could be like oh no no he's the one that marked it up you know it's like so i try to learn who the client is what is it and also try to make it fair because whoever is bringing me or introducing me to a client yes they deserve to make some money because he, they probably had to be in a place where I wasn't. They probably, you know, met this guy through another contact. Somehow, because of what they did, they got this contact. Now, that doesn't mean that just because they got that contact, they should take advantage. No. They should just see it and be transparent because people with money, they're not stupid. You know, they know people are making money off of them, but you can be fair yeah. and you can be like, Look, yes, I make money off of everything you do because I have the contacts and I do, this is what I do. Yeah. But, but, uh, but it doesn't have to be a slimy, sleazy yeah, thing where I'm taking yeah, advantage of you yeah. just because you have some money. Exactly. Yeah. Cause that's the type of people who just go for the short term win. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and those people never actually win. No. And, and, and sometimes they might, they might win once or twice. Yeah. But guess what? If that client, once he starts learning how to do these things by himself and 
And, you know, these clients go out all the time and they might meet another promoter. They might meet another concierge and they're going to get to the point where they're going to see shit. This guy's been fucking me all this time. And that's when they decide to go somewhere else and they decide to start working with someone else. So I learned that from the beginning and I never, you know, when, when you're in this industry, when you're, when you're doing anything in this uh, type of market where you're dealing with very, very high end clients, your reputation is all you got, you know? And if you, if you mess that up, it's very hard to come back. You know, 100%. From yeah. So talk to me about the first yacht transaction that you were involved in and what that was like. <laughs> wow. <clears throat> Well, man, I got to take a drink, but cheers. <laughs> cheers, brother. Appreciate <laughs> it, man. good, man. Yeah, man. Uh, man, this is good. Wow. Love it, man. It's that it's it, spicy. It's spicy. Shit. Yeah. It's good shit. But uh, so if we, if we go a little back and now we're back to the time that, that I was, I was now offering my service like if you want access to jobs to just freelancing you know, yeah just, just freelancing dots, just yeah. connecting the dots um so i remember there was there was uh someone that i knew and said oh my god i uh i was on this yacht yesterday and uh it has a helicopter pattern. and i'm like what i was like what so then i was like i want to meet the owner and He's like, you have his number. It's like, he's like, so she gives me his number and I start reaching out to this guy. And now he's one of my best friends. Right. But, and, and I've told this story. He just laughs about it. So, oh, holy shit. It's too good, man. It's just too good. So then, um, so he, you know, uh, he's, I mean, he's pretty, I mean, he's young. Young, he was like, you know, uh, mid twenties, uh, and, uh, man, he was a pilot, you know, his dad is a pilot. Um, and they had this yacht with the helipad and it was the only yacht in Southern California with the helipad. And at the time, at the time this yacht was not, they had just built it. They had just done a refit and it was kind of brand new. They were starting a, a wine company at the time. And so, so then I heard about this guy and I would text him, call him. I was like, hey, you know, if you ever want to go to this party, I was just trying to talk to this guy. He never got back to me, never would answer nothing. So, <laughs> so then I, I just started telling people that I managed it. <laughs> so so then it was this yacht with you know it's 145 feet with the helipad and i would go out and i would just be like hey if you ever want to charter this boat call me <laughs> you didn't even know the owner i didn't even know the owner he wouldn't even answer my calls but i just like i was like i, I just you know what do you have to lose i had yeah. what do i have to lose yeah. so Guess what? The time came and somebody called me and said, Hey man, I heard you manage this boat. <laughs> I want to charter it. And I was like, Holy shit. I was like, fuck. I was like, 
So what am I going to do now? Yeah. You know, I was like, so I was like, uh, uh, <laughs> so then I, uh, so then I called him and I said, I had no idea, but I went online and I researched what a, a, a yacht like that would charter for. And the yacht would charter for something like 25, 35,000 or something. 25, like 30. a weekend? No, like, no, for a day. For, for yeah, a day. For a day. So then I just called him and I said, so I told him, the, the guy that called me charter it. I'm like, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me, let me get back to you. Let me just talk to the owner and, uh, and I'll come back to you. And, uh, so I called the owner again and I'm like, Hey, I said, I have this guy. I, I remember the client was from Vegas. And I said, I have this guy who wants to charter this boat and he's willing to pay cash. Did he tell me he was willing to pay cash? No, <laughs> but you know, cash sounds good, right? Yeah, so I'm of like, course, of course. I'm like, shit. I'm like, he's going to pay cash. He's just going to use the yacht for four hours and you're going to pay cash. So fuck, day goes by, nothing, no callback. Next day, he calls me. He's like, hey man. <laughs> He's like, I'm sorry, I've just been busy. It's been a year, bro. It's been a year. And then he's like, he's like, yeah, I heard you. Uh, you have a charter. He's like, he's like, so what's he's like, he's like, hey, well, I'm gonna put you in touch with my captain. And I don't know why I said this, because I probably could have just worked with the captain. But I said, look, you know, I've been in this industry for quite some time, and I said I'm used to talking to owners. I said, so do you have a you have some time that we can get together. So that same day, he's like, hey, you know, um, let's meet in La Jolla. This is in San Diego. He's like, let's meet in La Jolla. And, and we literally just went to this, like, Mexican restaurant. And so we're talking, and he's telling me about, you know, what his family does. And he's, you know, the family bought a vineyard in, in Malibu. And now he's, uh, and, you know, that's kind of what he's doing. But the yacht is kind of his dad's project. And... And, uh, but yeah, you know, so we made the connection there. The two days later, the, the charter happens and I give him the money and I said, look, you know, here's the money. And, uh, just know that, uh, you know, these are the type of clients that I can bring you. Boom. And, uh, so if you ever, you know, I would like to keep working with you and, and maybe manage the boat. So he called me two days later and he's like, Hey, you know, I spoke to my dad and, you know, do you want to charter a boat? Boom! Boom. Yeah, I, like, <laughs> I love that next, story, I'm man. Like, oh. So like, <laughs> next thing you know, so like it started as a working relationship. Yeah. And then, the, I mean, this guy, this guy's cool, man. I mean, you guys are probably gonna, probably gonna meet him one day. I'll probably do a video with him. And I remember one day he called me and he lived in like the, like the, you know, cool area in San Diego. And, and he called me one day, he's like, He's like, hey, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, so he's like, well, I'm having a little something at my house. He's like, if you want to come by, bring a bottle of tequila. I'm like, I'm there, you know? So then from there, we kind of just kind of connected and we started hanging out. And I started helping him uh, and his family, you know, chartering the boat and uh, <clears throat> kind of building those experiences. Now... I could go on and on and there's a lot of different stories that, I mean, from just that, you know, landing on the helicopter, landing on the yacht for the first time, you know, I mean, one, I think one story that can probably, 
people would be interested in considering. Uh, so I'll have a drink before that one. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Okay. Mm. This one, I just feel like probably people want to hear it because it was one of the first times that I chartered a yacht for Thambulzerian. Okay. So uh, now this is not me trying to talk about Dan so we can get more views. So if you think that, then go to oh, the next video. It's just a real story. This is a real story. This is just a proper real story. So one, Dan, and you probably is going to love this, but the first time I chartered out for Dan, he, I get a call from the marina that he has about 11 girls running topless in the marina. <laughs> so of course, that's not okay, <laughs> right? You got people with family, like yeah. it's just people, I mean, it's just like, and this guy just took over, yeah. you know? Where but was this? This was in Marina Ray, this is in LA. Okay. And so then that, that was one incident, but like, again, I mean, fuck, he's fucking, I mean, he was fun, you know? So then we have another instance where he, we were, it was actually my birthday and, and called them and said, Hey man, we, we're going to take the yacht out, you know, for my birthday. Do you want to come out? And he bought a bunch of friends and, and the, the whole point was we were going to land in the helicopter on the yacht. So if, if anybody's familiar with, with LA and, uh, I mean, not to mention, you know, the Kobe thing, but fog is a big big problem and um my friend is a is a i mean when he when he put on his you know you know pilot you know when he was going to be a pilot he was i mean he was on it you know yeah. he was no bullshit locked in. locked in you know he you know when he was my friend and he was not in the helicopter he was a a different person when he got in helicopter pilot mode, it was like well, you can't fuck around. You cannot now you're fuck playing around. with not only your own life but other people's yeah. lives, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I get it. So he, so he was. I mean, he was always on it, so I always felt safe, you know. And dude, that alone, I had, I have maybe a hundred stories of like us flying because we used to fly three, four times a week, you know, from San Diego to Malibu, San Diego to Malibu, and we have some stories is there, but. This story, so we, of course, so when Dan, when, when Dan, you know, Dan, uh, he was living in San Diego and we met him, we met him right before he just blew, I mean, up. blew up. I mean, we used to go and hang down. So I was like, you know, before he blew up, we met him and, you know, he used to do this, you know, helicopters and go to the desert and shoot. And, you know, I used to help him with some of that stuff. And then, there's actually a video out there there, you know, where, where they're doing a little documentary on him and they interview me about him on the yacht, you know? And so for this instance, it was kind of like, and like not the peak for him, but it was like when he was like on the on way, on up. the way. Yeah. So like, air, like, so now when we first saw Dan, it was like, kind of like somebody that we knew cool. But now it was like, oh shit, Dan is an actual celebrity. Yeah, now Dan's fucking just like, global. So like, and, and uh, so everybody knew him. And, 
and he wanted to land. We, we had these girls on the helicopter and he wanted to land on the yacht. So as we're taking off from Santa Monica, fog starts rolling in and I'm sitting in the back. How, uh, my, my friend and, and Dan are sitting, you know, pilot and on the passenger. And I'm sitting in the back with, you know, a few girls. And of course, everybody's excited. We just want to land. As we take off, you start seeing the fog. And I mean, I'm not a pilot, but I've flown so many times that I know this is not, it's not okay. Yeah. And of course, we're trying to make it happen. And we go, we take off and we're just kind of going and we're going slow. And there's, you know, there's, there's, uh, uh, as a helicopter pilot, you're rated, you know, th there's two types of ratings. You know, one is you're rated, you know, like as an instrument rating where you can, or the other one where like you pretty much get rated, like if you don't have any instruments, you know how to handle it, right? So if I've been in, I've been in, uh, you know, on test flights where we were testing that and I'm like, holy shit, this is not, this does not look good. And of course, Dan is like with his phone, he's just excited yeah, to yeah. land. He doesn't care. And I'm he, just like, he's just... and like, uh, my friend is telling me on the thing, he's like, fuck it. He's like, Diego, look for fucking sailboats. On the, and, and I'm like, oh, I mean, dude, I almost, I was almost opening the door because we were flying low. Yeah. Uh, we were flying so low, even the people at Marina Ray called the cops. Oh, okay. Because it was too them, low. Because it was too yeah, low. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then, I turn to my left and I see the mass of a sailboat. I'm like, holy shit. Like we can't, you can't see anything. Damn. And we can barely see like a little bit of the boat. Can you imagine? And I said, this is not good. I said, and I, and I told him, I said, dude, pull up, pull up. Because I knew that you just got to go up. Yeah, above the... Otherwise, if you don't go up above the, above the, the, the clouds, fog, yeah. then you lose uh, Visibility. orientation. Yeah, okay, okay. Because... When you, when you're, uh, when you're, you're flying a, a helicopter, you sometimes, which is, you know, what happened in different scenarios, you lose the visibility and you lose the orientation of how you are with the helicopter. And then that's when accidents happen. Luckily, my friend is a good fucking pilot and I thank him for this. But he, as soon as he saw that we were kind of close, he pulled up above the clouds and we had kind of like the social pressure of like, we got to land, land this, on the fucking this fucking yacht. yacht because of Dan. Yeah. But then you get to a point. You have to do the right thing. You have the to safe do the right thing. thing. As, a, as, a, as a pilot, yeah. as a captain, you got to do the right thing. So it kind of sucked. We didn't get that. We went back to the, the airport. People were waiting for us on the yacht, but then we drove to the boat and we had a good time. Hey, and, it all and that out. was that. But but uh, yeah, that was a, that was a story. Well, people like that are always gonna want what's best for social yeah. media, what's yeah. best for the flights, yeah. what's best for the you know. Look at me, like I just landed. Because yeah. even me hearing that story initially, I'm like, fuck, I want to land yeah. a helicopter on a right. yacht, you know. And but I think at the same time, bro, I don't want to die doing it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so I get that, man. Now that, I mean, if you put that, if you put that situation into perspective, you can relate that story, but now relate that story to Kobe. Now, so then 
you have, imagine the pilot in that situation where you're flying Kobe, right? Kobe. Kobe's probably, we're making it to this fucking game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so Kobe's like, like, dude, let's do it. Yeah. Now, there's a few things about where, I mean, you can go on and on about that situation, but there was a few things that as a, as a helicopter owner or somebody that's flown a lot, something that you never do, especially if you have a twin engine helicopter and especially the, the, the helicopter they were flying, he should have never been flying with one pilot. Mm. So he was flying with one pilot. I didn't you know, know the helicopters have multiple pilots. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you have, uh, <laughs> yeah. I actually didn't know yeah. that. And, and I mean, of course, there's, there's so many things you can do with, with helicopters and, and anybody out there and anybody pilot, if any pilot sees this, if you want a real, if you want to meet a real pilot, meet a helicopter pilot. They, they, you know, they Those know they shit. Are built they, yeah, they're built, <laughs> they're built very, very different. Yeah. Um, and, and, but there's, there's, uh, there's a lot of things that, you know, you can get into as far as crazy stories, you know, so then, I mean, that's one of them. Um, and there's, there's a, I mean, I don't know how much time this we have, but I mean, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're gonna have to wrap it up pretty soon, but you know what, yeah. bro, Diego. We're gonna have multiple episodes, so don't stress. Sounds We're good. gonna get the stories in. Does, I wanna switch gears a little bit and talk about why do you live in Miami, bro? Miami. Uh, well, it all, I mean, it, you know, it's interesting to, I never thought, I mean, I really never thought I would be living in Miami. You're the West Coast boy. I was in the West Coast, and, and I also, I get hot very, very easily. I remember the first time, this is actually very, very funny. First time I am in Miami, and this is actually advice for anyone out there that likes hot, spicy food. If you come to Miami and it's summer and it's humid, do not eat spicy food. Do not eat a soup. Do not eat anything spicy. Stay away. So... I'm in Miami, first time, literally first time, and I meet this girl, and not only that, she's half Indian. So, guess what? Diego here is trying to, like, you know, be be cool, and I'm like, I'm gonna take her to like a new Indian restaurant. So, I'm in Miami, who the hell? Things about taking someone to an Indian restaurant, but that's the worst idea. <laughs> <laughs> so I go to this Indian restaurant and this girl was beautiful. I mean, it was like, I would look at her and she looked like, like, uh, like the girl from Aladdin. I mean, it was just like, wow. I was like, you know, and so we're like just having dinner. And of course, the server comes. Would you get the butter chicken? Would you no, get yeah, I get like, the butter yeah, chicken yeah, yeah. The and, then, and then they're like, uh, so, you know, from one to 10, how spicy do you want? And I'm like, dude, my family's from Mexico, like 10, you know, like, oh, and then they're like, rookie mistake. Yeah. And man, like, rookie mistake. And then she's like, 10, you know, like, dude, I, yeah, 10. So next, you know, we're just having a laugh. Everything was good. 
So dish comes and take the first bite. And it was like, holy shit, dude. I mean, I was trying to fake it. Like nothing was happening. Shit. There was be right back though. There is no way. No, no, no. No, there was no right back. I was like, I was like, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna, but I couldn't. I mean, as much as I tried, I started just and not only that, we're sitting outside. So it's humid as like, like it's bad, man. It's bad. I was wearing this shirt. It was like, I remember it was like a like a salmon. Like, uh, you know, thin shit. Oh, bro. Oh, dude. I mean, everything just like. You can't wear that, bro. I mean, dude, it was like. And, dude, I knew that it was. I knew that it was a bad situation because I turned to the kitchen. Everyone was watching me. Every Like, all the cooks were just, like, laughing at me. And so I go to the restaurant. I was just like, dude, I just couldn't stop. I got a story like that, too, bro. It was, uh, yeah. So if you come and to Florida. I'm, I'm, I'm Indian. <laughs> yeah. So I should be able to handle the thing, yeah. bro. Yeah. Nah, no, 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 no. Do not nah, mess around. I tell, them, I tell them mild or medium. Yeah. Because I'm not playing. Because I And I like spicy food, bro. But these motherfuckers, they're like, oh, yeah? Yeah. They're like, okay. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, I'll show you, yeah, motherfucker. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, no. So that. it's not, um, yeah. No, Do but go back around. to Miami, though. I, like, be, <laughs> beyond this funny-ass story, oh. talk to me about your relationship so, with this city. The city, I mean, it just happened that, that uh, I mean, I loved, I loved uh, being in California and, uh, you know, San Diego, L.A., but um, what took me to Miami was actually a magazine. When I used to work for a local company in San Diego, um, and I wanted to learn about selling yachts. I was working for this company based in, uh, it was behind the Marriott in San Diego. And my, my job was to, you know, is to work on Sundays. Yo, look oh, at this. Sure, we got this. <laughs> <laughs> That's my assistant's dog. Oh, okay. And it looked like a cat at first. <laughs> no, it, it, it's like anything you want. It's like literally when she first got that dog, I was like, I, I mean, I couldn't figure out what it was. And somehow after all these years, my, <laughs> get a, get a video dude, my assistant's been working with me for about 10 years. When she got that dog, I almost broke up with her. I was like, I'm like, do not. There's no way that thing's a dog. But man, when you spend time with that guy, it like grows on you. <laughs> you don't know what it is. Is it like a possum? Is it a rat? Is it a dog? But it's cool. <laughs> this podcast has officially gone off the rails. We lost any any kind of normal structure and stuff. But you know what? That's what we fucking. That's what we do on a Sunday, yeah. bro. And also. Like you said, we want to loosen up, but this, I mean, this is too much. Nah, it's too loose. Nah, we're just getting started, man. We're man. just getting started with the looseness. <laughs> but look, I, I want to kind of start to wind down and wrap this up. I want to do, I do want to talk about super yachting. What's the difference between a super yacht and a yacht? Well, the difference, uh, well, I mean, there's a lot of different things, but I think I think a yacht is probably something that that can be uh, owner operated. So somebody can somebody can as an owner 
they can they can jump on their yacht and Try. go out and you know start cruising. Super yacht, you need a, a super yacht. That's when you you really can't do anything by yourself. You you gotta have the right crew and you gotta have the right people that are you know handling your yacht. So then you can be a rock star at whatever it is that you do. Okay, and on average, what does that cost? What is a, a if I want on average? You know, I'm a multimillionaire. I wanna, I wanna get me a super yacht. Give me the cost breakdown. What does that look like? Well, uh, I'm, I mean, I'm actually dealing with a, a client now, and um, I mean, it's just, I mean, it. It, it obviously it, depends. It, I know it, there's it, a range. It, it just, it really depends. But on I mean, the be, the best rule, the best rule is is for you to to use the ten percent rule. 10% of whatever the value of the yacht is, is an average how much you're probably going to be spending. Now, of course- In a year. In a year. Got it. Now, it comes down to the client, right? It comes down to the owner. If you're the type of owner that is super laid back and you know he's not very uh, concerned about service and how his boat is run, you know, for example, there's owners that can go on their yacht and if the teak is old, they don't care. It's like, oh, I'll change the teak whenever I have to change it. Uh, <clears throat> there's people that see maybe a little thing and the paint is, uh, you know, and they're like, don't spend it's like fine. this yeah. fine. There's owners that as soon as they see the it, they change yeah, they're it. Like, go, yeah. go. So like, of course, those type of owners are going to spend more, you know, and and you have the other owners that, Maybe if your yacht is supposed to be run with, say, 10 to 15 crew, you might be the owner like, oh, well, I want to run my boat with seven crew. So then, you know, you might be able to save money on, 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 on crew as well. But anyone It seems that wild to me that people who are buying yachts are still cheap. I, I, don't, think, I don't think that, that it has to be with being cheap. I think it has to do with with where they come from if if it's someone that is that is new money or is someone that made money uh it's self-made then they take care of their money they more. don't spend an excess for no yeah, reason yeah they they they, they, tr they because anybody that's self-made they know the value of money. Mm, right? They were in the gutter. Yeah. They so, knew what it's like to have So they, they know that, that they could, you know, they know that whenever they didn't have money, that, okay, but I can negotiate and I can do this. But somebody that, that maybe, there's a difference between being rich and there's a difference between you being wealthy. Mm. If you're wealthy, you don't know the difference of negotiating 10% off or, you know, negotiating 20% off. Because to you, time is more valuable than negotiating. So if you want to, what's going to cost you, the time that's going to cost you to, to negotiate something 10%, you probably are it's making, not it's not worth your time. Yeah. So like what you're really looking for as somebody that has wealth is, is do things right, serve me right. And I'm and willing to pay. Don't waste my fucking time. Don't waste my time. <laughs> I'm willing to pay, but do things right. Right? Okay. Now, the person that tries to negotiate, 
they might take that risk of somebody doing things wrong, but they're going to save that t- that money, mm. right? So like if some and and you got to put everything into perspective, like I do, and we can go as like let's just use Chipotle as an example to go to that. When you go to Chipotle and they tell you, do you want extra walk? Always. Always. Now, for you, how much is that extra walk? I don't know. It might be $1.50, But to you... Irrelevant. Irrelevant. Because it's $2 and that $2 to you is nothing. nothing. So, you got to put yourself in somebody that's wealthy. To them, it could be walk. Yeah. Okay. You know? That's a good way to look so at it. So, it's just like... Put walk in my burrito. Just fucking make it good. Just, put it, just, just fucking do it. Throw the I mean, extra steak just in there. Throw it in don't, there. Don't tell me. Don't tell. Like just. I don't want to like, talk about dude, it. Dude, sometimes yeah. if you've been to a Chipotle so many times, do you really? When they ask you, do you want extra walk? You're like, like, why are you asking? You're wasting my time like, even asking. So imagine, that's a, that's imagine, imagine putting that as a wealthy person. It's like. Don't tell me what the price yeah, is. Just yeah. do it right. You know mm. what I mean? They just they just have expectations, expectations. As to how the process goes. Yes. Don't waste my fucking Don't time. Don't waste my time. Don't be weird. Yes. Don't talk to me yeah. about money. Yeah. I got it. We're good for it. We're good Whereas for it. Newer money, meticulous money, yeah. people who are trying to cut yeah. every fucking penny. Yeah. Those yes. people are gonna give you more of a hard time. And you can you can put that into any so I'll give you another example. I had clients that that wanna go out on their boat. And they say, I want to take a captain. Please give me a captain or this. So guess what? I have a captain that's charging a thousand per day. And I have a captain that's charging 300 per day. So guess what? The captain that's charging a thousand per day, he knows his worth, right? He might have the proper license, insurance, anything to keep you safe and your guests safe. That guy that's charging 300, it just might be someone that just started out, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know? So They'll guess what? Whatever. The guy that, that charged 300, he might have gone out. Next thing you know, he didn't know the area well. Hits your props. Now it costs you 40,000. So for you saving 700,000, now all of a sudden it costs you 40 because- $700 could cost you 40,000. So yeah. it, just, it just comes down to, to saving time yeah. and, uh, and, and just doing things right. I have another question for you. So- you work primarily Miami, Monaco, Mexico, correct? Yeah. Okay. So why? Well, I mean, it has to do with uh, something that I learned is that when it comes to something like what I do, which is yachting and, and representing clients, consulting clients on the on the sale charter of uh and new belts of yachts, there's only so many hours in the day that you have, and there's only so much time that you have to represent these clients. So sometimes I think it's interesting that you see some people on social media or even on websites, and there's this guy's like, I am, I represent clients all over the world, and I represent clients, and I'm always like, that doesn't make sense, you know, because how can you manage them all well? You can't. You can't. And I learned that even when I was in San Diego, um, I had a client that came from, you know, from uh, China. It was a Chinese client. And I was sitting down at lunch with them. 
and it was their translator and 15 Chinese guys. And I'm sitting there and I can't understand a fucking word they're saying. <laughs> and it's just like, and I'm like, wow. I said, this is how people feel when I talk Spanish with my friends. And, you know, so since then, anytime now I, I, I go out with a friend that doesn't speak Spanish, or or doesn't speak the language like you speak English. I speak English and and I feel that people need to respect that because mm -hmm. it sucks. Yeah. Whenever they would laugh, I would laugh. And whenever they cheers, cheers, I was like, you know, I was like, yeah. So like, uh, but then that alone, that alone, I learned that that uh, I didn't want to do this just to be working with anyone just for the money. Yeah. I wanted to work with people that I really wanted to uh, represent. You know. So so I. Uh, you know, I, I really, I really love what I do and it's, it's awesome. Yeah. I, I, I want to cover something before we wrap up the podcast because it's special to me as well. It's one of the reasons I actually came to Miami. You might not know this, but you know, coming down here with my business partner, Jamie, who's been shooting your TikToks and doing all that yeah. stuff has been really cool because I actually had no plans to come to Miami. Right. Yeah. But then he tells me, Yo, this Diego guy's pretty fucking cool. <laughs> and, uh, you know, F1, uh, the Grand Prix is going to yeah, be yeah. In, in Miami in May. You should come. Let's make it happen. I'm like, fuck it. I was living in Colombia, as yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. Life was good. Yeah. I'm in Medellin. <laughs> I'm chilling. Yeah, I got yeah, no yeah, complaints. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. So I come down to Miami. I come to this event that you are have a very big part in making happen. Talk to me about Sunset Miami. I want to hear the story. Wow. Holy shit. I mean, how many hours do we have? No, <laughs> no I mean, I try to. Okay. So, Sunset Monaco, Sunset Miami. So, <clears throat> Sunset, it's an event that's been going on in Monaco. And it's the only event in the world that is tied to Formula One. There's no other event in the world that is tied to Formula One, especially in Monaco. Now, if you see anything about, uh, if you see anything about F1, no matter what, anything you see, if you ask someone, what is the coolest race of the year, of the calendar, is Monaco. That's it. Monaco is a place that brings everything together, brings wealth, brings the lifestyle, yachts, helicopters, cars, Everything, everything you can, you can see, you know, um, as far as lifestyle goes, as, as you getting to the pinnacle of your life and what you're supposed to be buying or representing is Monaco. Damn, that's so, one way to put it, bro. <laughs> it's, 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 it's insane, you know, it's insane. And, and I mean, the, the time, the time that I went to Monaco for the first time was actually by mistake. I should have never been there. And the only reason I ended up in Monaco is because I chartered the yacht that I told you with the helipad in San Diego. I chartered that yacht in, uh, in San Francisco for the America's Cup, right? It, it was the Louis Vuitton, uh, you know, America's Cup. I did this charter, which if the guy's watching this podcast, he owes me money too. Like that guy, I still haven't forgot. He owes me money. I will. Get I the will, Echo's money, bro. Please, dude, you better pay me. I swear I'm coming after you. I swear. I swear. <laughs> this guy, dude, this guy took advantage of me when I was barely starting. And he, 
he like took my money and went with his girlfriend to like on a vacation with my money. So I'm coming after you. I'm not going to say your name, but just now. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> so on, anyways, but I go, I go to the America's Cup and I charter this boat, you know, for, you know, it, it was for American Express. And then they call me and say like, hey, they will come to this charity event. Uh, there's an auction, blah, blah. You just got to get a jacket. Dude, this was when I was getting started. I go to Sarah and I get a jacket and I go to the, uh, to the yacht club in San Francisco and they're auctioning off four tickets to go to the Grand Prix in Monaco. Holy shit. Holy shit. So I'm there with my buddy, you know, from San Diego who owns the yacht. And I'm like, dude, this fucking, dude, come on, let's bid on this. So we're like both bidding. Dude, that just shows you somebody's ego. We were bidding for the same thing. He outbid me. Like for no, like for what? But like anyways, <laughs> we still won it. Right? So next thing you know, I end up in Monaco. And so I won these tickets to to the Grand Prix to watch the terrace, you know, from you know, right on the track. After the race, everybody was saying, Hey, see you at sunset. See you at sunset. See you at sunset. This is my first time in Monaco. I had no idea, right? You're just going along. With I was just it, going like, along. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll see. You there, yeah, yeah, I'll see you at sunset. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm thinking like, for sunset. I mean, where's the sunset? <laughs> yeah. you know? So like next thing you know, we take this boat. You know, we take this tender and they drop us off at the best, best party in Monaco. You know, so I show up and it's just like right on the beach, just music like the music that I like, which is kind of like kind of disco vibey. Like you know, it's not. You know, like anybody can go, anybody can dance to it. You're going to have a good time. So I went there and since I went to Sunset for the first time, every single time I would go to the Grand Prix, I would end up there. I would go to Sunset. So Sunset, how many times have you gone? Uh, for the last seven years. Seven years. Seven bro. years. Yeah. And straight business expense. <laughs> bit, yeah. Bit, business and pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And, and of course, I mean, I'll be there next year with you. You better, you better. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I, um, I met uh, a good friend now. I mean, met her for the first time, but now she's a really good friend and we work together and she works with the owner of Sunset. And, uh, and so I, uh, I said, as soon as they announced that they were bringing F1 F1 to Miami, I was like, I got to bring Sunset to Miami. I got to bring Sunset to Miami. So what I did is as soon as they announced it, I went to the marina, Island Gardens, which is the best marina in, uh, in Miami. And I rented the marina for three days. And, and they asked me, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know yet, but, <laughs> but I don't know yet, but I want it. And, you know, so I'm like waiting, waiting, waiting. And then I started this conversation with the owner of Sunset. You know, his name's Tom. And this was- Shout out to Tom, Tom, man. Shout out to Tom. That's a cool Tom. motherfucker. I he like is cool. And, and also, uh, man, you got to give him all the credit because, you know, he started also, you know, he has a great story. And also, you know, he, he's the one that came out with the idea, you know, to, to have Sunset in Monaco. Um, so for the last 10 years that he had Sunset in Monaco, now you got this guy from Miami <clears throat> trying to convince it, convince him to bring Sunset to Miami. And how much notice 
Did you, did you have to throw this event? About, we put it together in about three, less than two months. That's ridiculous, <laughs> by the yeah. way. And that's one of the yeah. reasons why I have so much respect for you, Diego, yeah. and why I'm like, this guy's a real <laughs> fucking deal, and he's a real psychopath, <laughs> and he's real crazy. Yeah. Just like me, like, I, I want to do something, I'm just going to do it. You just do it. And, and I love that shit, yeah. bro, because I went to this event, <laughs> I experienced yeah. this event, Air and crazy. I'm looking around, I'm like, this shit's probably been going on for 20 years. <laughs> yeah. fucking you know this shit, man. Dude, he, so him and I met late, uh, late, no, we, we met, dude, him and I met in January. And then in January, he's still, he's like, no, Diego. He's like, no, let's just wait. Let's just wait for 2023. And I'm like, no. I said, we have to do it this year. And this was in January, February came. We, February, he still didn't know he wanted to do it. He's like, Diego, you, I mean, if we do it, we just got to find the right team. So I'm just like, all systems go, man. I was maybe sleeping like three, four hours max. And, and my business partner, Jamie, was here oh, yeah. with you oh, during man. this time yeah. period yeah. of just madness. I heard some of the stories yeah. of just like the, the shit that had to go into planning an event. And people, when they look at events, they only look at like the, the end product. Yeah. Like, oh, cool. They had this. They had the, this DJ. They had cool boots and whatever. Bro, I when I came to Miami... This deck, whatever you want to call it, whatever, was like not set up. No. There's no. two days left of this event. No, no, no. And you guys got there, it. Fucking a lot of people didn't know. But Tom, I mean, if you if Tom's watching, he's gonna find out. But a week before the event, we did not have a permit. <laughs> we had no permit. And Tom is in like, Tom is still in Monaco. He's about to fly in. And they're like, Diego, you should really tell him. I'm like, no. No, I'm no, like, no. We're going to get it. I'm like, do not tell him. He's like, so what are we going to do? I said, the security, everybody wants to get paid. If we pay them, we can't get a refund. And if we don't get a permit, then, and I'm just like, it's like all systems go, man. President Red Vine, I'm like, pay everybody. <laughs> like, oh. and, and I was in a situation where I was like, wow i'm like this could go anyway you know but you know it's one of those things and yeah i'm not elon musk but let me tell you it felt like i launched my first rocket and it's just <laughs> <laughs> and that rocket you know you know how elon musk the first rocket like took off just blew up yeah the next one took off didn't land well let me tell you, this felt like it took off and landed. So yeah, absolutely, bro. I am, I am happy, and uh, and uh, and I'm really, you know, I'm really looking forward to, you know, doing Sunset the next uh, 10, 15 years. That's going to be in Miami. Bro, I look forward to you being know? there. So, dog. and it's only going to get better and better. Absolutely, man. bigger venues, crazier shit, yeah, wild, wilder stuff. But yeah, I, I thought for the first one done here in Miami, you really outdid yourself. Fucking yeah. very impressed with it. Thank you. It's probably, maybe, for some reason or another, has some kind of something to do with me living here now. There you go. I got to, <laughs> I got to see like, oh, this is my. This is like, yeah. I it's, like it. You know, I kind of like. And you know, it's like interesting. It. So I spoke to, I spoke to Jamie, you know, your business partner, and Jamie at the time was living in LA, 
and I'm talking to Jamie and Jamie's like, no, man, I, I really love LA. You know, just the people, you know, just, it's just people that think like me, people in the industry. <laughs> and uh, I just get this energy from LA and I'm like, I'm like, this guy has not been to Dude, Miami. trust me. He came here. He's like, hey, Diego, so, uh, you know, I'm staying here for another three weeks. I think I'm going to extend. And uh, it looks like my business partner's coming. And it looks like we're going to get it. I'm like, oh, Miami takes you sometimes, And then bro. now what? Didn't you just sign a lease here? Yeah, we just signed a lease here, bro. Well, we're Miami fans now. Shit, well, I love this place. And there you go. I mean, it's interesting how little moves can change a big part of your bro, life. Just being you know? here in Miami, I've already signed three clients, literally just not even doing yeah. anything, just being here, physically here, meeting people and whatnot. Yeah. It's just crazy. I'm just like, okay, well, that paid my rent. Well, let me, Boom. but but not only that, and, and I feel like, you know, some people, some people see Miami as a, like, oh, it's just like party. Right? No, absolutely not, but, man. It has something also, for everybody. And and that's like people that live in Vegas. Do you think people in Vegas just gamble every day and and are on the Vegas Strip? No, you can you can go somewhere and and live a a a balanced lifestyle that brings you everything. Now, I feel I've I've been very very lucky to travel around the world, and I gotta say Miami has everything, and and I feel that Miami, it's a good reward for somebody's success and for somebody that actually wants to live. So, if you actually want to live your life, Miami is a good place. I couldn't agree more, brother. The final topic before we finally wrap up this podcast, I know we've been going for, <laughs> for a long time now, guys, but you know, it's been a fun one. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the social media stuff. How are you finding creating content for TikTok, Instagram. I remember the first combo I had with you, you were very scrambled about it. You had a lot of mixed emotions about it. You have a lot in your story that you weren't even able to tell in a two plus hour yeah. podcast. <laughs> um, you know, how are you finding creating this content wow. and the results so far? Well, I mean, I got to tell, you know, everyone out there that that is looking to, you know, I feel like like in the beginning, you know, people probably would see social media as a as a as a as a place where you're just going to waste your time because you can get in there, and of course, you know, you can get in there and get lost. You know, you can start scrolling on different things and and uh, and get lost and 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 that aspect of social media. But if you are someone that knows what you want out of it, then is is a very different story. Now, just this year, I decided to really start showing face. Uh, <clears throat> because what I started seeing in my industry is there's a lot of uh man in my industry, and I and I and I say this, there's there's room for and there's business for everyone. There's no competition because what I do in my industry takes a lot of time. When you're representing a client and you are, you have the best interest for that client, it takes a long time for you to actually give them your time and your undivided attention to close the deal. So 
for someone that's just going to be doing little deals, like you're not doing it you right. You can't be part-time. You can't. You can't. You can't just be like a real estate agent no. who does a deal. No, 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 no. This, you you got to be in or out. You got to be in and out. And there, there's a lot of aspects to yachting where you really got to take care of your client because if you don't, that's when they say, the best day of your life is when you buy a boat, when you sell it. That's not true. That's bullshit. That's bullshit. That's one of the best videos you've done. That is bullshit. <laughs> I love that Because one. it's just, it's just, they just had bad representation. That's one. Or they got sold with the idea of buying a yacht when they maybe, they bought something they couldn't really afford. So, you know, yachting is not cheap and yachting is not easy. But if you can afford it and you do it right, you would never want to stop. Well, this is why I think that you're such a refreshing voice and image in this space, because I feel like it's one of those like those industries that has like gatekeepers that actually don't want it to be well known. Almost yeah. like Formula One was like 10 years ago, yeah. you know, yeah. where, where they actually didn't want it to be mass market. Right. They didn't want America to embrace it. Yeah. And now you're kind of opening, blowing the lid open on that. And some people are probably going to hate you for that. And a lot of people are going to love you for that because you're showing a different side of an otherwise like protected industry yeah. where it's like only for the elite, the rich, the wealthy, the people who yeah. can afford it. But you're showing that, hey, like I love this one video that that we shot that, that you did. It was like uh, talking about you're like, I don't even own a yacht. Yeah, but I will represent my clients to the absolute best. Yeah, depending on where they're at in their right. journey. Yeah, no one's talking about that yeah. shit, man. Yeah, 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 I love that. Yeah, yeah, and and so it's it's only a matter of time before it goes global. Yeah, and I'm uh, very excited to be a part of that journey, bro. Yeah, man, it's gonna it's gonna be fun. And I and to be honest, that's you know, to, if we go back, you know, to to that question of social media, you know, is that looking at everything that was out there from YouTube to so, uh, to Instagram to TikTok, everybody's just talking about how expensive it is. Yeah, well, flexing. We're, we're, I mean, it's just, that's Look not- Look how a, big my yeah, yacht is. Look how it, many feet my yacht is. It is just like, yeah. that's not a good way to, to, to put it, you know, because that just kind of just, you're, you're, you're setting yourself, uh, like you're looking down at people, right? Mm. And, I don't think it should be that way because well, because you've been in the gutter. Exactly. You, it's exactly. like, it goes back to your story, right? Yeah. If yeah. that, that dude whose cars that you washed and the fleet of cars and everything that you did, if that dude looked down on you, like yeah. who the fuck is this little Mexican kid or whatever yeah. the hell, like you would have never had the opportunity exactly. to, to even explore the space yeah. and you might have never had a chance to get into what you're doing now. Yeah. So you're almost making it accessible to people and showing, hey, yeah. like you can do this. And here's it should, the costs, yeah, yeah, here's yeah. what it looks like and here are the rules, here's yeah. the no's and yeses. Yeah. Like, and it should, I, I, it should be that way because a lot of people look at yachting like, like it's, uh, I, hate to, I hate to use this word, but like people that have fuck you money, like, oh, I have all this money, I can afford a yacht. But it's not like that at all. What yachting is, it's really a reward for your success. Mm. Why? Because when you get into yachting, that means that you already maybe, so like if you look at when, when people make money, what do they do? First, they maybe, they might, 
you know, go to a more expensive restaurant. Then all of a sudden they might stay at a nicer hotel. Then all of a sudden instead of flying commercial, they fly, you know, they fly business class, first class. All of a sudden, now they, you know, their business is doing way better. What do they do? You start flying private because these are the little things as you are uh, elevating. elevating and doing business that you start doing these little changes. Now, what do you do when you first start making money? You, you buy your first home, right? Then all of a sudden you're making more money. You have your second home, your vacation home. So all these little things that people think is like, oh, it's fuck you money. It's not fucking, it's a reward for you working your ass off. And people don't see it that way. Now, what do you do? It gets to a point where you already bought the houses. You already bought, you know, you're in the stock market. You're already investing all this money. Now, it gets to a point where there's only so much money you can make in a lifetime. And only so much you can it's spend. Only, only so much you can spend. So what do you do? Look at someone like Steve Jobs. What happened? He worked his house off. He built the most, you know, the, the products that really changed the, 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 the future of everyone, right? You know, everything that we use right now, as crazy as it sounds, it's, it's all, you know, it all just started with the first iPhone, right? So you got somebody that's working his ass off and he got to a point in his life where he's like, wow, I work my ass off. Now I want to build a yacht. And unfortunately, he was building a yacht and he got to a point where he couldn't even enjoy it because he was too old and, and he, he got, got sick. sick and he passed away. Yeah. Now, but that shows you, you got to get to that point where it doesn't matter how much money you make, you need to spend it. You can't go to the, you know, you can't, people sometimes, I hate to say, but sometimes people forget that you're going to die and you need to enjoy yourself and you need to enjoy it. And yachting is, when you get into yachting, you never want to let it go. If you do it right, it's going to be a time where you're going to be very successful and I'm sure you and Jamie one day are going to probably buy a yacht from me because you guys are killing it, right? And it's going to get to a point where, where you guys are working so hard that you want that privacy. You want to be by yourself and you want to be with the people that you love and the people you enjoy and you want to wake up every morning in different parts of the world or in different views and you're going to wake up and have breakfast and if you have a family, you're going to know that your kids are sleeping in a cabin and and if you have you're going to know that she's there if you were to just stay in a villa or stay in a hotel your kids might be in another uh, uh another hotel room you know they might go down to the pool by themselves and then you're not you don't have that unity what yachting does for any successful person out there it gives you that time with you and your family to actually really enjoy it and some people uh, probably have never experienced that, but when they do, this those are my clients. Back. Those are my clients, yeah. That's it. Diego, Luca, this has been an incredible podcast. <laughs> I know we could probably keep going for four or five more we hours could. and still not scratch the surface, yeah, 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 yeah. but we will do many more episodes. I really appreciate you, brother. You Everyone listening, just remember, it's not that deep. Go check out Diego, Luca. What's your website? Shout out your social it's, media. Uh, at Diego Luca and it's just Ting Yachts, Ting Diego Luca. Boom!
Boom. <laughs> Love it. Thanks, guys.